can defeat life. It's kind of true, isn't it? Because when fear grips you, it, it consumes your thoughts. It infects your, your body. It has a, a physical impact uh, upon you. It keeps you from thinking straight. It keeps you from being able to engage with life the way that you'd want to. Fear is a powerful thing. Whether it's our only true opponent, I'm not sure, but it certainly is an opponent, isn't it? And then we come to Jesus Christ, the one who is at the heart of Christianity, a movement that, that turned the world upside down. And we go to Jesus and we come to him with our fears. What does he say back? It, it was there in our reading, wasn't it? Why are you so afraid? Why do you allow fear to grip you and control you and, and defeat you? Why are you so afraid? So here's what I want us to think about this morning. How on earth can Jesus ask that question? How can he say that? What does it mean to live a life without fear? Well, we're going to think about two things. First, life with Jesus. It is life with the creator who never fears. Life with Jesus is life with the creator who never fears. Now, we're picking up the account in Mark chapter 4 of Jesus' life. And at this point, he's tired. He's been teaching crowds all day, and he needs some rest. He, he, he needs kind of a break. So he and his disciples, his followers, they get into a boat, and they go for this kind of leisurely sailing across the Sea of Galilee looking for some respite. But this quiet, this pleasant journey in the boat quickly becomes a matter of life and death. Verse 37, if you have anything open in front of your Bible, in front of you, you'll be able to see what we, how it's described. A furious squall came up. Hard to say that word squall, isn't it? I don't know how to quite say it, but a furious, furious squall came up. Now, for someone like me, with, with my very limited experience of sailing, I, when I first read this, I, I don't think I fully grasp quite the significance so my experiences of, of boats is, is sailing to France or, or the Isle of Wight. That's about it, really. You know, once or twice, one of those journeys, I remember the sea was quite choppy. The waves were going up and down and up and down and up and down. Then you're feeling a bit seasick. Um, I don't know if that kind of brings it on for you. But, but the up and the down. Now, for me and my brothers, it, it was actually quite exciting. It made the journey more interesting. You know, we'd go around and we'd be kind of, chomping down our chocolate, watching all these other people trying to keep everything else in their stomachs. And we'd enjoy the journey more because of the ups and the downs. It wasn't really frightening. See, something far worse is going on here. Verse 37, the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. That word for storm is, is hurricane. It's not just windy. The seas aren't just choppy. It's a ferocious storm, a, a hurricane. And so treacherous is it that, that those in the boat think they are going to drown. They think they're going to die. They think this is it. A number of years back, there was a film called The Perfect Storm. And it had these great posters for it. A small boat kind of almost going up, a ver vertically going up this huge wave. The film was based on a true story about the fishing vessel, the Andrea Gale, and she and all her crew were lost at sea in October 1991. Sebastian Junger told the story in his book, The Perfect Storm. Now, listen to how he describes a hurricane on the seas. 
a mature hurricane is by far the most powerful event on Earth. The combined nuclear arsenals of the US and former Soviet Union don't contain enough energy to keep a hurricane going for one day. A typical hurricane could provide all the electric power needed by the US for three or four years. In 1938, a hurricane put downtown Providence in Rhode Island under 10 foot of ocean. The waves generated by that storm were so huge that they literally shook the earth. Seismographs in Alaska picked up their impact 5,000 miles away. That gives us more of a feel of what the disciples were facing in that boat. Not, not, I'm sure, to that extent, but something of that. For them, it felt like certain death. Until, that is, Jesus gets involved. Verse 39. Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Now that word, rebuke, is the kind of thing you, you kind of might say to a, a small child. Okay, stop it. That's, that's the kind of language, rebuke, stop it. Although even then we struggle, don't we, with small children? It's funny how with, with small children, you know, they understand words like cake and, and snack uh, and playtime, but say stop it, and they're oblivious. Stop hitting your brother. Did, did, did you say something there, didn't he? And yet Jesus says, stop it. The very elements of creation, and they don't pretend they can't hear, they instantly obey. It was completely calm. Think of the noise, shouting, the waves crashing, the howl of the wind, the lashing of the rain, the boat up and down and up and down, and then suddenly, Nothing. Complete silence. Look how those in the boat respond, verse 41. They were terrified. And they asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? That is the question, isn't it? Who on earth is this? Who can stand before the gusting winds and the thunderous clouds and the raging waves and say, stop? Who is this? Who can speak to creation and creation obeys? I think I might have mentioned this before from the front, but I'm not a huge fan of dogs. But here is, here is something that I've noticed as I've observed dogs and dog owners over the years. If a dog owner has done a good job, I'm sure there are many dog owners who, out there who have done a good job, some who haven't, but if a dog, dog owner has done a good job, they, they can be outside with tons of other dogs and, and they can call out to their dog and their dog will stop whatever it is doing, uh, probably kind of mischief, let's just say that, 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 their dog will stop the mischief that it's got into and immediately run back to their owner. Why? Because a dog, a well-trained dog, knows the voice of its owner. Same with creation. Creation obeys Jesus. Why? Because creation knows the voice of its owner. Knows the voice of its creator. That's, you see, who Jesus is. That is the conclusion that we are meant to draw from this. The creator of heaven and earth. The creator of every atom and molecule. Every force of nature. 
The wind and the waves obey Jesus because they recognize the voice of their own. And it dawns on the disciples who it is that is standing in their boat with them. Verse 41, they were terrified. Not the wind and the waves that are scary. As powerful and amazing, as frightening and as awesome as we might find a tsunami or an earthquake or thunder or lightning, how much more powerful and amazing and frightening and awesome is the one who is Lord of those things? That is who is standing in the boat with them. No wonder they were in awe of him. And here's the thing, as, as the creator, that there is nothing in creation that frightens Jesus. But when the f- disciples first turn to Jesus in the raging storm, did you notice what it is they had to do before they could ask him to help bail out water? Verse 38, they had to wake him up. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I love that little detail. He, he even had brought a cushion with him. He was asleep. The disciples woke him. Kind of funny, isn't it? Like men, men, at least some men, they, they have this very convenient gift. They can sleep through anything. I, I, so when the kids were, were, were younger, at an age when they're always up in the night, and they're, they're crying out, and they're, they're calling out, I remember a few times I'd wake up in the morning and I'd look to Laura with a big smile on my face. So nice to have a good night's sleep, isn't it? She'd be looking at me with a face of thunder. You mean a good night's sleep? I've been up half the night with one child, the other half with a, another child. The, the, the thunder and the lightning and the howling wind, the, way, the waves and the, the rain and Jesus in the stern sleeping. It is funny, but you could say, well, isn't this callous as well? Those in the boat, they're they're fighting for their lives at this moment. And there's Jesus sleeping. Does he not care? Well, no, Jesus isn't being callous. We're going to look at that in a moment in more detail. He's not being callous. No, he sleeps because he is frightened of nothing. You see, Jesus sleeping in the boat while the storm is raging, it is actually really comforting, isn't it? Because such is his power, such is his authority, that there is nothing in creation that frightens him. You know, if if this account was different, if we read that Jesus was running around with the rest of those on board, panicking, desperately trying to find buckets and scoop out the water, I'd find that deeply unsettling as someone who's built their life on Jesus. Jesus sleeps while the storm rages because he is not afraid. Nothing in creation frightens Jesus because he is Lord of all creation. That is reassuring, isn't it? This is the kind of person you want to build your life on. When I was younger, we had a a nasty car accident in France when I was quite small, uh, and the car was was written off. We were left stationary, facing the wrong way on a a three-kind-of-lane motorway. And for a while after, I was nervous in the car, really, really nervous, especially when we overtook, because that's when the accident happened. We were overtaking a lorry, and the, the wind caught our, our, our kind of caravan and swung us and turned us around. And so every time we'd, we'd overtake afterwards for, for a short while, I was very nervous. And I'd look over to my dad, who was driving, and I'd look to see his face. 
And if he was looking a bit panicky, well, then I'd feel a bit panicky. But if he was looking very relaxed, calm, singing along to the radio, not singing, he had terrible, terrible, still does have a terrible voice, not singing. But if he was just looking very relaxed, chatting to mum, then immediately I'd feel assured. He's not panicking. I don't need to panic. It's comforting to know, isn't it, that Jesus sleeps when the storm rages. Storms do not terrify Jesus because nothing terrifies Jesus. Here is someone you can get through life with. Someone who sleeps through hurricanes, not because he doesn't care, but because he's not afraid. When I'm panicking, when fear grips my heart, I can look to Jesus and see that he is calm and untroubled. And that is reassuring. It eases my fear. Here is someone I can look to and find comfort and assurance from. So here we go. Life with Jesus is life with the creator who fears nothing. That is deeply reassuring. But secondly, life with Jesus is life with the creator who always cares. He never fears and he always cares. Now we've, we've seen something about Jesus, that he is mighty and majestic, that he is powerful. The wind and the waves, they obey him. But here is an important question. Is he good? When he's sleeping and the storm is raging and the disciples wake Jesus up, look what it is they say to him, verse 38. Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Important question. Are you good, Jesus? Don't you care? We know something of that doubt, don't we? Christian or not, we know something of that question. Facing the storm of a mental health crisis and you cry out to God, if you're there, if you're as great as people tell me you are, don't you care? Are you sleeping while I'm drowning? Or the storm of a terrifying diagnosis or unbearable pain, you cry out to God, to Jesus, don't you care? Are you sleeping while I'm drowning? Jesus might be great. He might even be the creator, but is he good? Does he care? Well, in one sense, the disciples get their answer straight away. As soon as Jesus wakes up, he saves them. Yes, he cares. But you know what? I think even more significantly, that they get their answer more definitively a short time after this. Because a short time after this storm, Jesus is facing another storm, the greatest storm that any human being will ever face. And it's not a hurricane. And he is facing execution on a Roman cross. And it's not just the, the storm of, of physical and, and mental torment of going through that, that process of execution. He is also, at the same time, facing the storm of God's justice. On that cross, Jesus is punished for all the evil and the cruelty and the injustice that infects our hearts and has infected our world. And in the face of that storm, Jesus doesn't sleep and he doesn't fear. He doesn't run away. He goes willingly to the cross to die in our place. But we don't have to face the storm of God's justice. Does Jesus care? Yes. 
Yes, he cares more than you could ever imagine. His death on the cross, that is the proof that he cares. Remember, Jesus isn't sleeping because he doesn't care. He's sleeping because he doesn't fear. A 16th century poet called George Herbert wrote some some verse about this episode. And he, he wrote this line, Though he may close his eyes, yet not his heart. Yes, he cares. Does not close his heart. And here's where I just want to finish, and that is with two thoughts. What what does Jesus' care look like? In the face of the storms of our lives now, how does he care for us? Two thoughts. He cares for us in the present. Jesus caring for us in the present does not mean that we will avoid the storms of life. We, We see that really clearly here, don't we? Jesus is with his disciples, his most loyal followers. Where do they end up? In the middle of a storm. Being with Jesus, building your life on Jesus, does not mean that you will not face the storms of this world. But it does mean we don't need to be gripped by fear when we do. You see, Jesus leads his disciples into the most terrifying situation that they have faced. At the mercy of a raging storm and fierce winds, convinced they are about to drown. Perhaps one of the worst ways you could die. And what does Jesus say? Are you so afraid? He's surprised that they're frightened. And with this storm, Jesus gives the disciples a picture of the world at its most terrifying. A world that is disordered, a world that is full of forces that are uncontrollable, whether they're political forces or natural forces or economic forces or whatever they are. And he expects them not to be afraid. Why? Because as we've seen, he is Lord over creation. Verse 39, he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. That which is seemingly uncontrollable, Jesus even now rules over. That which is seemingly most powerful, most terrifying, Jesus even now rules over. That means my life now, as I follow Jesus, is not at the mercy of chaos and random events or bad luck or uncontrollable forces. My life is entirely under the rule and control of Jesus Christ, who loves me and gave his life for me. Knowing that, that eases our fears, doesn't it? Because I know that if ever things become too much to bear, he is able to step in and like he did with the wind and the waves, say, stop it. And it would all be over. Our lives would be calm again. You know, when we learn to swim, there, there comes a point, doesn't there, where, um, I don't know how you learn to swim, armbands, little rubber ring with a duck on the front or whatever it was. But there, there comes a point where all of those kind of inflation devices have to come off. And, and the thing is, as a child, you, you, you go into the water, but you're, you're, you know your parents are there, don't you? And, and you know they're right alongside you. So you give it a go, always knowing that they will step in the moment it becomes too much, if they see you going down or going under. Jesus, the one who controls the storm, is with us, ready to step in 
and stop us going under and stop that storm if he needs it. In his divine and majestic wisdom, he will allow us to face storms. But he won't let us face more than we could bear to the point where we would say, I cannot follow Jesus anymore. He will step in and stop the storm. Takes away some of the fear, doesn't it? Knowing that, that even now, he rules over the storms of our lives. He cares for us in the present. And finally, he cares for our future. In Mark chapter 4, the disciples are facing the world at its most terrifying, its most uncontrollable, its most chaotic, surrounded by, by waves and, and forcing, facing gale force winds, and Jesus rescues them. I want you to notice something about this rescue. Something interesting. Like if you watch a disaster movie, you know, rescues are always happening in disaster movies, aren't they? And the hero will rescue people, and he'll normally rescue them from the disaster. So the volcano will still erupt, but, but the people are rescued. That The avalanche still falls, the aliens still invade, but, but the people, the hero, he rescues them, or she rescues them from the disaster. But that is not what Jesus does here, is it? He does not remove the disciples from the disaster. Instead, he just removes the disaster. He transforms the disaster. You know, the word for for completely, as in completely calm, in verse 41, is the same word as furious in verse 37. Jesus takes a furious storm and he undoes it. He transforms it into a furious calm. Jesus removes the disaster. And for a brief moment, the disciples enjoy the world as it was meant to be. For, for a moment, the chaos stops. For a moment, creation is completely under control. This is a picture of Jesus' plan for this world. To restore it back to how it should be, without chaos, without fear, without disaster, without storms. In another part of the Bible, we're told that in this restored world, the sea is like glass, totally flat. As the disciples look out across the calm sea, so calm that it is like glass, they are looking out at the kind of world that Jesus will one day create. When one day he will say, Quiet. Be still, and all the chaos and all the storms will disappear. The furious storms we are tempted to be afraid of now will one day become a furious calm. No matter what we might face, as we follow Jesus in this world, the pain and turmoil and chaos of living in this world will one day be over and it will one day be gone. And that begins to ease our fears, doesn't it? It will not always be this way. These things will not last. One day Jesus will finally say, stop. The storms will completely cease. The sea will be like glass. Chaos will be over. Life with Jesus is life with the creator who never fears. Someone you can build your life. 
life with Jesus, is life with the creator who always cares. Definitely someone you can build your life on. Have a moment of quiet and I'm going to pray. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Heavenly Father, you have given us an insight into this historical moment when the hurricane and the wind and the waves listened to the voice of their creator. Lord, please help us with the eyes of faith to believe this such that whatever we may face in the coming days, weeks, months, years ahead, we will never be overwhelmed by fear because the one we trust in, the one who never fears and always cares. Grace in Jesus' name, amen.